Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. If I haven't met you before, uh, I met a lot of new faces this morning. My name is Chris Vincent. I'm the lead pastor at the church. And uh, my better two-thirds was up here earlier if you want to wave. That's my wife. She's my better two-thirds but a third of my size. So I'm just, you know, just saying. So uh, we just want to welcome you to the bridge. And uh, I tell you what, wasn't worship just amazing this morning, just being able to enter in? I mean, come on. So, hey, if you guys wouldn't mind just bringing up a little light, that'd be awesome. Um, I like to see your faces. Well, most of them. And uh, don't worry, I'm totally serious. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) Hey, I just want to say this, though. We, we saw a really cool thing last week with VBS, and uh, I know we've already talked about it a little bit, but so many hands made light work, and it was just a fun week. And so thank you to all who, who came and, and played a part and uh, jumped in there. So it was just incredible. The coolest part, there was two things that I just want to celebrate. One was this. Uh, the first day, every night, Bethany would get up and she would do a salvation prayer with the kids and say, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus... and Usually you see like every, you know, kindergarten, preschool through fifth grade, like raise their hand to say yes to Jesus every night. You know, that's just a kid. And uh, that's okay. And the first night, you know, I wasn't sure if we had anybody that had made a decision to follow Christ. And I got a message from one of our group leaders who was over the kindergarten through second grade. And she had just said that a bunch of them, and she listed all of their names. And she was discipling them and walking through with them who gave their life to Christ last week. Is that not totally cool? That's what it's about, man. Here's the other part, and, and that's the heavens rejoice when one person says yes to Jesus. That's what happens. It's a party in the heavenlies. But the second thing that took place was really important to me and something cool that I have not experienced probably since pre-COVID, and that was this. Uh, we had Dairy Queen in town donated dilly bars to us. I mean, come on. And uh, uh, I didn't even ask for them to be donated. I said, hey, can I come pick them up? And they said, yes, but there's no charge for you since it's Vacation Bible School, and I was just like, you guys are awesome and insane. Thank you. And so on the way out, we gave them out Thursday night to parents and to family. And on the way out, that's why the picnic tables are where they are. And I'm just going to leave them there because I like it. Everybody was hanging out. Everybody was just hanging out. No, no masks. No, like, you know, political conversation crap. It was just like community, hanging out, loving on each other. Kids were making a mess. And they had dilly bars from their face to their feet to their crotch to everywhere just blowing up. And, and parents were like wiping their kids and trying to find wet waves. And it was a mess. And I'll tell you, it was the greatest mess I have seen in this church in a long time, man. So I'm excited. We need each other, yo. We need each other. Okay? We need we do life together. That's what it's about. You can't do it alone. You can only isolate so long, all right? And uh, I know everybody's got an opinion today, and I really don't care what your opinion is. I just want you to know I love you, even if you're wrong. All right, so. <laughs> hey, uh, one of the things that my kids got me a few months ago for Father's Day, or two months ago, was this shirt, and uh, it was a dad joke shirt. And it says, you know, they're, they're not dad jokes. They're, they say bad jokes, I think, or rad jokes. Rad jokes, right? And... Uh, And I love my shirt that I get to wear all the time. I should have worn it this morning. But I wanted to just give you some of the dad jokes I share with them this morning. And uh, I just just give you some fuel for the fire for your kids. So here you go. Uh, What is a pencil with two erasers? It's pointless. Also, you know, I I used to... (laughs) 
Don't, don't throw things. Uh, I used to hate facial hair, but it, then it grew on me. I'm just, just saying. Also, we time-traveled last week, so I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke, but you didn't get it. Some of you still didn't get it. <laughs> this is my favorite, though. I ordered an egg and a chicken on Amazon. I'll let you know. Ask your neighbor if you don't get that one, all right? What is Forrest Gump's password? One Forrest One. <laughs> so bad. If you don't get that one, I can't help you, man. I'm married to a math teacher, so I had to drop some math ones in here. Where, where do math teachers go on vacation? Times Square. <laughs> but don't worry, three out of two people are bad at fractions, all right? And... Uh, I t- here's my last one. I could go on and on, but I'd tell you a pizza joke, but it's a little cheesy. All right, so my kids hate them. I love them. What's blue and smells like red paint, blue paint? Come on, you know. My, my all-time favorite dad joke is this one, though. What is green and has wheels? Grass. I was lying about the wheels. I love that one. It's so stupid. No, please stay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Hey, we are in this series right now called Finding Joy. All right, now joy is not always laughter and happiness, but looking at your face and sometimes your response on a Sunday morning, and some of you are very stoic, you're the stoic Norwegian Christian, um, really talking to you, okay, and talking to everybody, but I believe that God wants us to find this joy again. So let me get you caught up, we're in Lamentations chapter 4. Now for those of you that are Bible nerds like me, you might be going, wait a second, we're talking about Lamentations, lamenting and trying to find joy? Yes, because here's why. No matter the circumstance, no matter the culture, the climate of the culture, no matter what's happening in America, across seas, we always have a choice to find joy in Him. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, no matter what's happening internally or externally. Because guess what? There's probably about 90 of us in here right now. And guess what? For every single one of us, it's completely different. Your circumstance, you could have the greatest week of your life. And it's like, man, I don't need any joy right now. I'm good. I, you're like, I have too much joy. I need to read Lamentations today. You know? You're like, I just need to lament today. Right? Or you have the other person that's like, I don't want to talk about Lamentations You've got closet anxiety and closet depression. And just so you know, statistics show that probably 65% of us in this room do. So if you're going, I feel alone, you're not. And so what we have to do is we have to level the playing field a little bit. How many here, just just question, of you garden? Any gardeners in here? Okay. Um, We tried. We, We tried many, many times. The only person in our house that could grow anything was my son, Justice. We don't know how he was the one that gifted enough to grow it because he's the one that should have not grown anything. And he grew watermelons in our garden somehow. I, I don't know how. They tasted great. We tried. We brought in all this soil and all these different things. And, and we tried carrots and we tried squash. And people are like, no, you're in sand. You have to do this. And, and you have to do that. And some, some of you gardeners are weird. You're like, you got to talk to your plants. We're trying to talk to my plants, and I think they like healed over while I was talking to them. You know, the onions died, the carrots died, and, and I think we ended up like pouring hours, hundreds of hours, and, and we got like two or three carrots out. And and somebody's like, "Well, you have sandy soil. You got to go and you got to put in, you know, like some black soil and till it in." And and I look at them like we've done that three times. How many more times do we do that? And and you know, I I look and here what was funny is every time we toil in soil or black dirt because we're in sand like everybody else in this area it washed down to our neighbor's you know land which was next to us i'm like well that's just a waste of time 
Well, a few years ago, we have a great neighbor. She's here this morning, so I'm not going to mention them by name. And, and uh, she's awesome. And she comes over with this box. And I'm talking like the box from eternal salvation, okay? Like you opened up this box, and inside of it were these beautiful peppers, beautiful jalapenos. And I'm like, where did you find these? Which marketplace did you go to? And she's like, oh, I grew them, I grew them in my yard. I'm like, you're my neighbor. Like, how? And, and even I've talked to her son, and I'm like, you guys have, like, magic soil? Like, what is it? No, we put topsoil in. I'm like, I've done that. I've done, I've done it all. I've tried to do all the right things, and it still doesn't end up the way I want it. And then my neighbor has this magic, what is it, the green thumb, right? We have the black thumb. Is that how it works? I don't know. And, and so she comes in, and, and there's just these beautiful onions and peppers. And, and what I don't tell her is I keep taking them, and I sell them on the side for extra income. So no, I'm kidding. I don't do that. I, I freeze them. And so I'll use them in chili recipes and other things, and they're so good, and you know who you are, and, and I just, I thank you, it's so good. But here's what I want to say. Whether you're, you're a good gardener or not a good gardener, it doesn't matter. I want you to realize that we're on the same playing field. Well, well, Pastor, I've, I, you know what, I've only been in church so many times. You know, I, I'm new to this whole church thing. You know, I'm not quite sure where, where I'm at yet, and so I don't really understand the Bible the way you do. I'm not good enough yet to read it or understand it hogwash and then you have on the other side you've got people that are like i've grown up and and every sunday no offense but it's going to get old trying to learn something new from the pastor unless you start learning how to feed yourself the spiritual groceries because you've been a 25 year diet of old country buffet so what do we do we have to realize that one of us isn't better than the other okay even though my neighbor is a better gardener than that, we still start with the same soil. Yeah, they're closer to the swamp, so they have a little bit of an advantage. But hey, all right, here's the deal. I believe that God wants to speak to you today and next week as we close out this series called Finding Joy, going through verse by verse of Lamentations. We're in chapter 4 today. To get you all cut up so we're all on the same page. Lamentations is a poem. It's a beautiful poem. Jeremiah wrote it. Prophet, chapter 1 and chapter 2 are about the destruction of Jerusalem. Chapter 3 was really Jeremiah's heart and saying there's still hope no matter how bad of a gardener you are. All right, that's my version. And then chapter 4, he reverts back to talking about Jerusalem and the destruction and really looking at how bad it is for them. The reason I want us to find joy in this story and today is I think the moment we turn on the news, the moment we hear a rough story, the moment something bad happens, it's all of a sudden this pressure of our faith and the test of our faith. And we question God, or we question our relationships, or we question the world, or we question the United States, or we question something. And it's okay to question, but I want to make sure you have the right answer. Amen? Are you with me? All right, here we go. Lamentations chapter 4. You can close your eyes and just read along. I'm not going to put this on the screen. It is, just as the other ones in chapter 1 and chapter 2, 22 verses. Each verse starts with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's super cool. It's an acrostic. The whole book of Lamentations. How the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold become dull. The sacred gems are scattered at every street corner. How the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay. The work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer the rest to nurse the young, but my people have become heartless like ostrich in the desert. Because of the thirst, the infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment without a hand turned to help her. 
Verse 7, their princes were brighter than the snow and whiter than milk. Their bodies more, more ruddy than rubies. Their appearance like lapis lazuli. But now they are blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones that has become as dry as a stick. Wow, I'm fond of joy in these. How about you? Stay with me. All right. Those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine. Racked with hunger, they waste away for lack of food from the field with their own hands. Compassionate women have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. This is awful. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion that consumed her foundations. The king of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. They thought they were beyond it. But it happened because of the sins of her prophets, the iniquities of her priests, who shed with her the blood of the righteous. Now they grow up through the streets as if they were blind. They are so defiled with blood that no one dares to touch their garments. Go away, you are unclean. People cry to them, away, away, don't touch us. When they flee and wander about, people among the nations say they can stay here no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He no longer watches over them. The priests are showing no honor, the elders no favor. Moreover, our eyes fail, looking in vain for help from our towers. We watch for a nation that could not save us. I'm in verse 18 for those following. People stalked us at every step so we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near. Our days were numbered for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky. They chased us over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the desert. The Lord's anointed. Our very life breath was caught in their traps. We thought that under his shadow we would live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, daughter Edom, you who live in the land of Uz. But to you the cup be passed. You will be drunk and stripped naked. Your punishment will end, daughter Zion. He will not prolong your exile, but he will punish your sin, daughter Edom, and expose your wickedness. Thus says the Lord. All right, no, so here's the deal. This is, this is like judgment. This is like, this is just dark, man. This is dark. This is like rated R kind of scripture because what's happening is Jeremiah is talking about the destruction and yet the justice from God. He's basically saying, you've all been basically now down to the same level playing field. That's what happened. And I want to look at this in a little bit of a different perspective. And here's why. I have three points that I want to give you today. Number one is this. Joy is found on a level playing field. Think about this. So go back in time with me, just like we did last week at BBS. And we go to the city of Jerusalem before it was destroyed in 586 B.C. We're walking around. Some of us are, are priests. Some of us are laymen, laywomen. Some of us are kids. Some of us are new to the temple. Some of us aren't. Some of us practice the traditions and the laws. Some of us don't. Obviously, a lot of us haven't because we fell away from it if we're there. What happened is they go into exile. God brings them into exile to the Babylonian Empire, which is modern-day Iraq, that area. And they're here in the Middle East. And now, those that were once the priests and the, the nobles, they're nothing. And now the nothing are on the same level. And here's what I want you to see today. Whether your circumstance is so great and so awesome in life, life is just good, man. Life is good. And I hope it is for everybody. But it's not ours. Or maybe it's just bad. I believe joy is found on a level playing field. You don't have to have everything together to find joy. Can I hear an Amen. You don't have it all together. You don't. You've been waiting. I know you've been waiting. Can I, can I give you a secret? You ain't never going to have it all together. You're not. Talk to the people that are older than you. Ask them if they have gotten it all together yet. They look at me and they go, I know less now than I did back then. That's what every single one of them tells me. I think they're probably right. 
See, none of us have a corner on joy. Yeah, I, I get that circumstances can make it harder or easier to find joy, but I want you to see something. The joy of God, the joy of the Lord, it's always in existence. It's always present. It's always there. It's a choice we have to make to receive it, right? That's the choice that we have. Lamentations 4.6, I already read it, but let me pull out a couple scriptures here for you this morning. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom. Did you catch that? Which was overthrown in a moment. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment. Think of it this way. You know, I think about that, and you think of the sin, you know, there's sexual sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God destroyed it. And Abraham was like, if you find anybody righteous, please save it. And, and God could not, and so he destroyed it. But what happened? It was destroyed instantaneously. You know, it was burnt to the ground, the city was. Here, what they're saying is, you know what? This is, this is bad too, but it's not destroyed instantaneously. What happens? Their punishment isn't death. Their punishment is you're going into exile for the next 70 years under an empire where you can't worship, you can't go to the temple, you can't celebrate your same festivals, you can't do any of that anymore. You're stuck here. And so what Jeremiah is saying, the author who wrote Lamentations, is that, you know what? Their sin and their sin, okay? Sodom's sin, city of Jerusalem's sin, they're both bad. Now he's saying, you know, one is a little worse because one, you're destroyed. That's okay, you're destroyed, you're, you're done with. This one, you have to live in it for the next 70 years. So what do we do with that? How do we find joy in that? Here's the joy. The joy is the fact that we have a problem that you and I cannot overcome. That, now you might be, wow, how's there joy in that? Okay, because we're fixers, we want to fix it, we want to do it ourselves. If you're like me, you're a stubborn person, and you want to, you know, figure it out. That's, the major, that's, that's why you moved to St. Francis area. Come on, all right? 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 All right? But their sin, Sodom and Gomorrah, deserved death. Even their sin, turning to other idols, it deserved death. Is that any different than our sin? Does our sin deserve death? Yeah. Yeah, our sin even deserves that. Sodom, overthrown in a moment. Here they are, prolonged agony. And I tell you what, part of me would be just like, just get it done with. I don't want to go through this prolonged agony. And I think what happens is the same for you and I, is a realization that when we try to take care of our own sin by doing it our way, we are in prolonged agony when God wants us to die to it right away. Amen? I want you to think about that for a moment. Because when we die to it, and we stop trying to fix it, we give up an idol. Your sin becomes your idol if you don't surrender it to God and you keep trying to fix your flesh. Flesh is not meant to be fixed. It's meant to be killed. can't redeem the flesh. Jesus redeemed in you is the only thing worth being redeemed. Okay? You see, I think we still think today that, that some sins maybe are even worse than others. Right? You know, well, there's, there's this, we, I'm not going to unpack them. Or we think some sin, you know, it's, it's not that bad. It was just a little white lie. You know, I was trying to protect somebody. I didn't want to hurt them. But every sin deserves a penalty of death. The truth is that sin is sin. You know, when we make bad decisions, bad decisions is a bad decision. No matter how you look at it. In fact, I want you to see this this morning because God's joy should be found in the fact in this scripture, Romans 3.23, for we've all sinned and fallen short of it. We've all sinned, okay? 
Every single one of us. Ain't nobody perfect. And I don't know about you, but that's joyful to me because what I realize, I don't have to compare my sin. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. And the joy in that is the fact that we all have the same problem, but we all can have the same solution. We all get the same solution. So what's the solution? You ready for it? It's Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. I know it's Jesus. Okay. Think about it this way. Jesus answers the solution. You ready for it? You're not going to like it. Okay. But I find joy in this. Ready for it? It's, it's Matthew 8, 58. It says this. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's the solution. Jesus painted the picture for you. Well, Jesus said it. I've got to be able to do it. Heck no, brother, sister, no. Think about it this way. Why would Jesus say that if he knew you couldn't do it? Because now maybe you'd go, I can't do it. I've got to stop relying on myself. My solution is not in anything I can do, but only in what he did for me. Is there anybody here this morning? Come on, man. That's good preaching. Okay, that's good preaching. Why does God give us that command? Because we have our eyes on ourselves. Okay. I think we need to stop having selfie faith and selfless faith. That was a good one. Thank you. See, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you through the lens of your sin. He looks at you through the lens of his son. Well, Pastor, you don't know about my closet sin. I don't need to. We've all sinned. Well, Pastor, you don't know how bad it is. Don't need to. He already does. But I haven't confessed it yet. Well, confess it. Tell him. He'll meet you right there in the closet with you and going, hey, let me redeem this. Stop trying to fix it on your own. Has it worked so far for you? So why do we keep trying? You know what the Bible calls that? It's a dog returning to its vomit. Mmm. Just trying to help you with your diet today, all right? See, joy is found on a level playing field. Nobody has a corner on it. Well, Pastor... You're closer to God. You, you know, you, you have like an a instantaneous line to him where you're still on long distance and paying for it. No, we all have the same approach to God. You don't have to have a pastoral degree. You just have to realize that God loves you right where you're at. That's it. And he sees you when we accept him through the lens of his son. Number two, joy is not found in money or status, I'm sorry, but in him. <laughs> okay? It's only found in him. You know, I, I hear all the time we'll have people that we're counseling and premarital counseling, and a lot of times they'll say, you know, we'll talk through about having kids and that whole chapter. And, and one of the things that comes up all the time is, Pastor, we, we want to have kids, but we just want to have enough money. As soon as we have enough money, then we're going to have enough kids. Or, and this is what I really want to say to him, and I think I'm going to from now on. I have five kids, all right? They're 11 and older. Hear me out. This is thus saith the Lord this morning for you. You will never have enough money to have kids. Get over that, all right? Okay? It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right? You know, and then I'll, I'll hear from others too. That's not just, it's not just that. I think I lost. I'm dead. I know that. But I'll, I'll meet people and they'll say, well, if I just have enough money, then we can have kids. Or, or pastor, I don't have enough money to serve. Or I don't have enough 
to do this, or they're waiting. They want to they want a higher status or a higher level. They want to change it, and they want it to look differently. You know, when when we get through this next part of our life, then we're going to live our dream. Why not realize you can start living your dream and stop having your dream have to do with your circumstance? What if our dream has to do with being with Him? What if our dream has to do with Him? Give Him time to get back from the potty here. Another potty break. There we go. That's your, that's your get your Doritos break. And for those of you that follow me on social media, did you see dill pickle Doritos? Come on, somebody. All right. If you thought, if you're like, man, Jesus is coming back soon, you're right. I had dill pickle Doritos. I mean, that's just where it's at. All right. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 14. Let's get back together here. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. See, here's the deal. What happened, again, there's two things that are going on. You had those that were in the palace, those that were in the inner courts. They were eating all the wonderful food, all the great things, while everybody else was trying to figure out how to make it. They didn't have County Market. They didn't have Walmart. They didn't have Aldi. Okay, They had to farm. They had to find it. I would have died because I can't garden. Okay, I would, have to, I would have to ask God for forgiveness because I would have stolen stuff from my neighbor. That's what would have happened. Now, they're all on the same level play, playing field here. And joy is not found in that status. God removed that status. Why? Why did God do that for the next 70 years in Babylon captivity? Because God loved them and he wanted their hearts back. He didn't want it to find them in the, he didn't want them to find their joy in the great foods and the great delights. Okay? He wanted them to find it in him. You know, I love this next part. It says, those brought up in royal purple now lie on ash heaps. There's a couple really cool things happening in this verse. One, it's showing again, it's not about status, but the other thing is it uses this color purple. If you don't know, the color purple was the hardest and most expensive color to make anything, you know, BC days, because we didn't have the dyes like we do today to make it, so it was the most expensive. All of that was stripped away. They didn't have the cool looking clothes, they didn't have the the greatest, you know, Nike sneakers or whatever you might, they didn't have whatever. All they had was him. All they had was him. What if true joy is not found in those things, but only in Him? What if true joy is not found in whether I'm a good gardener or a bad gardener, but in the one who allows me to have a garden in the first place? What if? What if? That's what I've given my life for. The other interesting part here, that says those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. I love, I'm a Bible nerd, you guys know that. In Lamentations chapter 4, streets is mentioned at least five times in the language here, in the Hebrew language. Why? Because it's basically saying no more are people in their homes or in their palaces or in the temple. We're all right here. We're begging on the street. We're all needy. We all have something that we need. We're all reduced to the same, okay? Level playing field, no status, no money. All they can do is find their joy in Him. That's it. You see, here's the last thing, last point this morning is this. Joy is not found in earthly freedom, but eternal surrender. Okay? Write that. Somebody needs to write that down this morning. Joy is not found in earthly freedom, but eternal surrender. So let me ask you this. If that's where it is, well, how do we even define freedom in the first place? Because when we give our lives to Jesus, I believe we're free. I believe that with all my being. But freedom looks differently than maybe how we see it today. You know, I... 
I don't mean to bring us down, but I want to be real, and I want to talk about what's happening. You know, I, uh, I have some people I know that have family that are in the airport in Afghanistan right now helping um, get Americans out. They're, they're there in the military, um, it's kind of a under-the-op situation, and, and uh, under-the-table-op situation. And here's the deal. <sighs> Stories I've been reading, ChristianToday.com is where you can read this story. It was put out last week. And you and I, I don't know about you, but I love, I don't know, how many have the version app on your Bible, on your phone? The version, I use that. If you don't get it, it's really good. Um, here's what's happening in Afghanistan, if you don't know this. The underground church is being attacked. Like, they're not talking about that a lot in the media. And, and what's happening is they are, um, the people that have the Bible app on their phone that they find are being killed on the spot if they have the Bible app on their phone. I take for granted mine every day. Every day I take for granted that I can go and I can find a verse of the day or I can read a chapter or I can read a devotional or I can, you know, I can, I can listen to some of the great pastors and great leaders that have gone before us and, and learn from them. And, and I take it for granted. And what I've realized is this. Sometimes I think their faith is way stronger than mine and I think their freedom is way stronger than mine because they haven't found freedom in democracy. They have found freedom in Christ. And there's a difference. There's a difference. My encouragement has been a challenge to my faith this last week. Is am I living free in Him? Am I living free in Him? That would be my encouragement to you today. Because how many of us would change what we do if we knew we could be killed for our faith by only having a Bible app on our phone? And so pray for them. Let's, you know, let's just stop for a moment. Let's just pray for them right now. God, we pray for the church that's in Afghanistan. We pray for the believers that have said yes to you. And Lord, those that, that you want to say yes to you. And we just ask that you be with them. Lord, uh, we don't know the entire situation, but we know that we want those that have professed faith in you uh, to have a testimony for you and to be protected. And so, Lord, we ask right now, as they are fighting the fight of their lives to serve you, that you would be with them. Protect them, surround them with guard of angels that nothing could penetrate what their faith is to them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lamentations 4.18. It says this. People stalked us at every step so we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near. Our days were numbered for our end had come. You know, one of the things I find joy in is where's our purpose at? What does our purpose look like? individually and as a church, both. You know, that's something I have to manage all the time is what's my purpose, God? But then what's the purpose of us corporately as a church? And I look at this scripture and and there's this realization for some of them in the scripture that their days are numbered. In other words, what they're literally saying here, what Jeremiah's unpacking is that there's some of these people that are going to be in captivity for the rest of their life. So how do they find joy in that? How do they figure that out? And I think some of them did eventually. You know, we read about Daniel at the end of this captivity. He found joy. We read about the three in the fiery furnace. They found joy. Was it in their circumstance? No. It was in him alone. That's where it's at. So our purpose as a church, we have four main points. I share them all the time. And if you haven't heard them, this is, this is what they are. And it's to know God. Okay, We want every person that walks in to have a relationship with God. In fact, I would challenge you this morning. We're not going to do some big emotional push, but on the way out, 
Before you go through those doors on your way out today, commit to Jesus. Say, hey, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I don't even know how to do it, Lord, but I'm asking that I have a faith journey with you. If, if you've been away for a while, you know what? No matter how many steps away you take from him, he's always still one step away. That's it. Turn back to him. He's there. He ain't going nowhere, even if we do. First is knowing God. Second, we want you to find freedom. What is it that you're wrestling with? We just asked, how are you doing with it on your own? Most of you said, not good. I'm included there, okay? Preaching to myself. We've got to lay that down for him. Lay it down. God, I've been trying to fix this. I need freedom. I can't do it on my own, but I know you can for me. Lay it down. Third, we want you to discover your purpose. What's your purpose? Are you living it? Are you afraid of it? Are you living it out? Our goal, my goal as a pastor, nothing would thrill me more than every person in this church living and walking in the purpose they were created. One of the most frustrating things as a leader is when you see potential and purpose in somebody when they don't see it. And I can tell every single one of you in here, I see your purpose and your potential. I wish I could have a conversation with every single one of you one-on-one right now. I'm more of a one-on-one guy. Because I would want you to see that and want to hear that. And if you need to hear that affirmation, man, make an appointment with me because I want to tell you that. Last is this. Then we go and we make a difference. Last week, we made the difference in about 28 kids' life. Even if it was one kid, it matters. Are we making a difference? What's the difference God has called us to make in your work, in your family, where you're at? Maybe you're going, I don't even know how to make a difference. I'm, I'm an introvert. Then intercede. Pray. If there's anything that we can do. I can give this last scripture. It's actually in Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus' words. I love this. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, I love this. It gets us back on track. You know, we we can, I I think we have to continue to realize that we should never have us for no more mentality as a church. We should always realize there's an empty chair. If, If there's an empty chair next to you, that's for somebody still. Not to fill up this place, but for God to fill up their heart. Amen? That's what it's about. You know, I I think who said it best was actually Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump. You know what he said? I'll I'll never forget this part of the movie. And if you haven't seen it, don't. It's a bad movie. But uh, Forrest Gump, Lieutenant Dan, he comes up to, to Gump. And Lieutenant Dan, he says, Gump, have you found Jesus? If you've seen the movie, you know, her, you know what Gump says. Forrest goes, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. Can I tell you a secret? The world doesn't know they're supposed to be looking for him either. You have something that's attracting them. Your purpose, making a difference, goes way beyond just you and your life. So live it out. That's one way that we find that joy as well. We're on the same playing field not about status at all and we're only going to find that join him all right so let's learn from the israelites let's learn from what they did and not try to do it on our own because i don't want to spend the next 70 years of my life in captivity of trying to deal with my issues i want to give them to him would you stand with me this morning i want to pray for you god i'm a sinner 
And I'm saved by your grace. I'm so grateful. Because I make mistakes daily. Yet you don't look at me as a sinner. You look at me as perfectly righteous. Because when you look at me, you see your son. I'm so grateful. If there's anyone in here this morning that has not received your son as Savior, I pray they do today. They would make known their faith today. They'd share with somebody that they came with their faith. Or they'd share with me or another leader here the faith journey and the faith step they made today. Father, for those here this morning that have everything going well for them, would they not forget to keep their eye on you? Because it's you that gave them the grace to get where they're at today. And for the one that's maybe discouraged or depressed or filled with anxiety, whether it's spoken or unknown, God, may they find their joy in you. Not anything they do. Not a, not a new drug, not a new counselor, not a new routine, not a new system, not a new way, but realizing a stopping and a realization that the joy is found in you. Yes, God, those things help. But you're the one that has helped create all of that. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that as we go forth, you would continue to challenge our hearts for those that don't yet know you. Maybe we've become absent-minded about that. Maybe we're, we're worried about just those around us, and yet you've placed people around us that need the hope that we have. Would you give us opportunities this week to come to share that hope that we have in you? God, we praise you for the hope we got to share this last week with parents that have never been in church, for people that came and helped us last week that have never been in church, for kids that have never been in church, and yet you were getting a hold of their hearts. You can do anything, and we allow you to do anything. So get a hold of our hearts that we get to play a part in that, Lord. Show us who we get to have a conversation with this week. And bless our week as we just praise you and we thank you. Thank you for loving us, Jesus, right where we're at, even when we seem unlovable. Thank you for putting a price tag on us. You have declared our value in giving the thing that was most valuable to you so that we could have life, and that was your son, Jesus. I pray that no one leaves here today without that commitment in you. We love you, Lord. We give you this time. We give you this day. We give you the wonderful conversations we're going to have on the way home and that with our family today and the rest of this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.